You are listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I'm your host, Mike Petchy. How are you guys? What is new? I have uh, dragged myself out of bed to do today's episode. I had my second shot, my second vaccine shot from uh, the Moderna vaccine, and it knocked me on my fucking ass, man. I have been out of the game for about three days now. Uh, Fevers, chills aches and pains. Uh, You can hear it in my voice. I'm like a weak little kitten today. (laughs) So bear with me as we get through today's episode and I sort of fight through this vaccine haze. But I'll tell you, man, I'm pumped. Today, in theory, is my last day that I have to deal with this. And I'm very excited to be vaccinated. I'm very excited to be able to do real things again in the real world. Now, what dragged me out of bed for today? Well, I'm excited because I have been working on today's episode for a little while now. Uh, Today's episode goes deep into one of my favorite record labels, uh, my favorite creators of physical media, vinyl media, um, the guys over at Mondo Records slash Death Waltz Records. Um, These guys have been putting out stellar vinyl releases of old soundtracks, new soundtracks, video game soundtracks, movie soundtracks. Um, Their stuff is just a work of art. Every release is gorgeous. They work with some of the best artists in the business, best graphic designers in the business. Um, Anytime you pick up one of their vinyls, you feel like you need to frame it and put it on your wall. Now, if you don't know who I'm talking about, do yourself a favor head on over to Mondo.com, or you can head on over to Mondoshop.com. <clears throat> Ooh, listen to that voice today. Um, there, take a look through their catalog. Drool over the albums that exist. Drool and, and uh, uh, hate yourself for the album releases that are sold out that you missed. Because <laughs> that's kind of what I do every week. As I go to their website, I'm like, fuck, how did I miss this? Uh, I'm excited. There's a couple ones that I really want bad right now. I want the new, it's not even new. I want the Thief score by Tangerine Dream. That looks amazing. Um, And uh, I think I missed the opportunity to get their Jaws release um, with the old John Williams score. God damn, the album art is so fucking cool on that. Um, but like I said, head on over to Mondo.com and check them out. And for those of you who don't know the deal behind Mondo, it's all part of this big brand, this big movie nerd brand that exists. These guys are known for quality. Um, I think it was all put together by Tim League, who uh, started the Alamo Draft House. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what the Alamo Draft House is, it's uh, a chain of uh, independent movie theaters that do the ultimate in film nerd screening scenarios. There's one here in downtown Los Angeles that I absolutely love. Uh, I was super depressed to hear that they were dealing with financial issues because of COVID. Um, I was concerned that they weren't going to open up, but I just got an email literally last night saying that in June, I think it was like June 28th, the Alamo Draft House is reopening here in Los Angeles. I'm very excited to go and watch all my favorite movies. Um, but uh, the experience of going to one of the draft houses is so cool. 
like the, like I said, the one here in uh, downtown Los Angeles has like a bar. They have like a karaoke setup. They sell vinyls. I think you can rent v VHS tapes. They have like uh, DVD and VHS rentals here. Um, amazing t-shirts, amazing poster sales. And then they do really cool displays in their lobby. And then the theater experience itself is just so wonderful. You can get food in the theater, but they are uh, people. These are movie fans for movie fans. So uh, everything they put together is to is to satisfy the film geek in me. <laughs> um, but Tim also uh, runs Fantastic Fest. Uh, he's also part of Neon distri uh, Distribution. So if you guys have seen like a bunch of really cool indie releases with the Neon logo, he's a part of that. And he also helped start Mondo. Now, don't quote me on this, but I think the way they started, what Mondo is releasing the posters that they put together for their screenings. And the Mondo posters are absolutely amazing. The artwork is phenomenal. Uh, they're amazing collector's items. Uh, they're super expensive once the limited run goes. They're really hard to find. Um, and they're just known for quality. And uh, you know me, I love illustrated movie posters. I'm always a huge fan of that. Uh, be it from the comic book roots, be it from uh, growing up as a kid and seeing these old school illustrated posters. Like the reinterpretation of what happens in some of these films. Um, you know, and it, oftentimes it was just the poster itself that would sell me on watching something and then I'd get there and go, the, the fucking scene isn't even in the movie. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but Mondo also expanded into putting out soundtracks and they started up their own record label. Um, like I said, it's a, a pairing of Mondo Records and Death Waltz Records as well. And we get into that onto the, on the show, how that happened. Um, and it's fascinating to see how successful these guys are by licensing and putting out soundtracks on, on physical media. And they're killing it, which is great. It's such a wonderful feeling to know that people still want to buy physical media, that people are still into collecting, and then that this is still a valid business model in the current world of just sort of digital stuff. Um, so I'm very excited to get these guys on the show. I'm a huge fan of what they do. Uh, today, I talk with uh, Mo Shafiq and Spencer Hickman, the two guys in charge of all this, and we dig deep into why they do it, what they love, what their favorite releases are. Um, we talk about the stuff that inspired us as kids. Uh, it's a great episode. And those of you that are Mondo fans, those of you who are just drooling over that catalog on the website, we have teamed up with these guys. This is the first time we're doing this on the show. We are doing a special contest. So one winner will win a hand-selected package of three vinyls from the Mondo guys. I have no idea what the vinyls are, but I can guarantee you that I'm gonna be jealous that you got it and I didn't. <laughs> Let's just say that. So uh, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna keep it really simple. All you have to do to enter to win is uh, log into your Instagram account, follow me at Mike Petchy on there, and send me a direct message saying, I want some Mondo vinyls. That's it. Send me a direct message saying, I want some mono vinyls, and then give me your email address. Um, understand that when you give me your email address, you will be signing up for our newsletter. I'm just gonna let you guys know straight up. Um, but 
I will choose out of the selection of folks that send me that uh, a winner over the next few weeks, and we will get you a vinyl package from Mondo Records. Whew, uh, very excited for today's episode. Before we get to it, I want to thank everybody for following me on Instagram at Mike Petchy or following the podcast Instagram at In Love With The Process Pod. That's In Love With The Process P-O-D. Um, you guys have been uh, interacting with me quite a bit lately, sending me ideas for guests, um, and uh, we'll see how many of you guys really want a mono album. I'm telling you, I'm telling you it's going to go. It's going to be really hard to choose a winner. It's going to be really hard to choose a winner for this because everybody's going to want these. I'm fucking envious that you guys get them and we don't. Um, so without further ado, let me not delay the episode. Strap yourselves in, get ready to find out how these guys put together these amazing vinyl packages. Uh, We're going to take you down the road into the world of soundtrack releases and into the crazy land that is the Mondo Record Releasing Company. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. Hey guys, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having us. For having us, man. Um, like I was saying off the record or off air, um, I've been a huge fan of all the Mondo record releases, and I'm a. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had a larger bank account every time I go to your website. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, sorry about that. Being a, being a record collector will do that to you. <laughs> I know. You know, I, I I do think about that a lot because we release a lot of stuff. You know, I don't know what's normal for a record label because we're we literally just put our heads down and do the work. But um, when I realize sometimes we're just like, oh my god, did we release like fifty albums last year? <laughs> like it was like one a week, and you're just like, oh gosh, how how do we how do we do that one? But like, how do people pick and choose? We literally just like throw everything into the into the you know the ether. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm subscri- like I subscribe to your your email blasts. So like I wake up in the morning and then suddenly there's an email from Mondo and I'm like I don't, I don't even know if I want to open this <laughs> 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 because you guys do such great stuff. And for for those listening, um, this Mondo Records puts out the the most beautiful art directed uh, vinyls for uh, some of the best soundtracks, whether it's movies or video games. Um, and you know, you guys are deep within the nostalgia realm, uh, all the way up to current releases. Uh, I guess my first question for you both was why soundtracks? Like, I'm sure at one point it probably sounded like a risky venture to do just a label that just released soundtrack stuff. Like what, what, what got you guys into it? Well, Spencer, you go first because you have a far more interesting story than I do on the. Oh, I don't, is it is it that interesting? We've told it quite a few times, so let me try and make it really interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, say, say it in a sexy voice this time. Yeah, yeah, no, you don't. I can't do that. I'm from uh, I'm from Birmingham, England. <laughs> sexy voices don't exist. Um, I guess you know I've always worked in music, like. Uh, you no, know, I ran. I've worked in record stores when I was a kid, and I used to run Rough Trade and. Uh, Fanny Record Store Day in the UK, and 
as well as music, my other big love was was movies. And you know, when I was a kid, my dad bought me I mean, the first records I ever remember being given or like be, forming with like buying with my dad was like uh, the Star Wars soundtrack, like the gatefold with a big poster, mm-hmm. uh, the Muppets. Uh, volume one mm-hmm. i also got volume two as well and uh, <laughs> laurel and hardy trail of the lonesome pine seven inch single all of which i still have um so i'd always been into movies like movies and music and i just figured so i ran rough trade in london we were we found a space in brooklyn um and i was waiting to move out to set that store up and run it and it kept, you know, as these things do, it kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. So in April, it would be like, you're going in July. And in July, it'd be like, you're going in October. So I just decided to do the label just as a hobby, just to keep myself busy. Cause I figured if I wanted to buy zombie flesh eaters and <laughs> escape from New York on vinyl, there must be 500 people out there that would buy that. And so I was thinking about doing this label for, for a long time. And back then, the soundtrack space is very different to, to what it is today. I mean, the main players, and they still are today main players, but like Lakeshore and Milan mm-hmm. were kind of the only people really, you know, supporting film soundtracks. And certainly on vinyl, you know, there was a few cool UK labels like Trunk Records and Finders Keepers. Um, but no one was kind of doing this idea that I had. And I thought about this for ages and I thought new artwork would be amazing, you know, remaster, you know, posters, special colors. And I was really excited. And I spent like two months to find the name. And then one day I was just listening to Suspiria by Goblin and I was on the last track on side one. It was like Death Waltz. And I was like, well, there's a name. That's cool. So I was <laughs> super excited. And then all of a sudden, I see on um, back then it was eighty cool news because that was like the big the big geek site that Mondo were releasing a record mm. of Maniac and I was crushed because <laughs> I just thought, well, hold on, whoa, hold on, this is this is like a cool idea. How come you've had this idea as well? But obviously it's because you know it's a cool idea. So that's kind of where I came to it. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could take credit for for inceptioning or or uh, you know deeply just like you know screwing you over from across the pond. But I actually <laughs> had little to do with that first release. Uh, I got hired at the company about like five months. I'm actually like uh, next week will be my tenth anniversary at this company, and I got hired as just a general manager mm-hmm. because they were just. They had just Mondo had just decided that it was going to take the web shop stuff seriously because really they were just like a little boutique that was attached to a movie theater that sold stuff that like went viral and uh, and then they were like okay we got to we got to like focus less on the physical location and like become an actual web store and I had been working and shipping receiving at, a, at another web store in New York um, and then I applied for Mondo just on a whim because I had just moved to Austin Texas and they hired me and before I knew it I've literally 10 years later here I am and I'm running the record <laughs> label but the record label side of things um, it was uh, I, I tell this anecdote and it, it's never meant to shame the person who said it but it, it me being in charge of the record department literally was my boss at the time being like Mo, you like music, right? Would you ever want to, <laughs> you know? And, and that was like an earnest question. I don't, I don't begrudge it because like that is just how it was phrased. But of course, it's like 
yeah, doesn't everyone like music? What is, what is that even? <laughs> uh, no, but I, I do, in fact, love music. And I came from the world of music as well, similar to Spencer. But I was a, a road manager, and I had worked with uh, touring bands for many years before I did the shipping and receiving job, which was me, like, uh, I guess, deciding that I didn't want to live out of a suitcase for, for uh, years and years and years and years. Right, and right. I, I committed to putting down some roots, and then I, and I moved to Austin with some of the bands that I, I toured with when they also were just sort of like, man, this touring thing's exhausting. We need, like, a home base that's affordable. Mm-hmm. New York is not affordable uh, to be a, a touring musician. So, uh, um, but long before that, uh, I was similarly just obsessed with film soundtracks. I always thought it was, like, a normal thing, but I have come to find out. I mean, I guess it's normal in that we clearly have created a little, like, uh, a, a subculture here, uh, vinyl soundtracks. So there's enough of us, there's dozens of us to go around to quote Arrested Development. But the, the uh, <laughs> but before that, like I would go to, you know, Suncoast Video and Sam Goody and I would just buy soundtracks on CD. Like I have a CD binder full of like CD soundtracks. And like I wasn't um, a big score guy, though I did love scores. Like, you know, but the scores I bought were the ones that like literally like gave me goosebumps and I'm not being pretentious. You know, like I would be like everything from from Spirited Away to Con Air. You know, like I enjoyed <laughs> right. the score to Con Air and I bought the score to Con Air. You know, like I would just like, I didn't care. I just wanted to listen to something that made me feel like I was watching the movie again. I also had like a tape recorder that I would like tape record songs off of movies that I really liked that I could then just listen back to. Uh, so I've never actually bought the soundtrack to the Richard Grieco film, If Looks Could Kill, but I probably <laughs> still have a cassette of the songs that are recorded from the closing credits of it because I was so into those songs. It's like stuff like that, you know? <laughs> That's great. <clears throat> Myself, I used to work in a music store too when I was a kid. And uh, I remember when soundtracks came out, but they they weren't as special of a release as what you guys do. Like, I, I I remember stumbling across Mondo stuff a few years ago and being a comic book nerd when I was a kid and just seeing, like, the amazing art direction on the covers and the album in the uh, album sleeves. It just blew me away. And it felt like that this level of quality sort of changed the entire game. And then these vinyls become more collector's items than anything else where you're uh, in, a, in a time period where everything is you know, algorithms and digital content, um, you guys are putting out like physical media that you like literally want to frame and put on your wall. You know what I mean? So uh, it's it's really changed the game for everything, you know? Physical soundtrack releases are still kind, kind of widely considered an afterthought. You know, like of all of the things that a studio can release, um, it really does feel like the leftovers... Uh, from like these large gigantic behemoth marketing campaigns, you know, like movies cost millions of dollars to make and you mm-hmm. pay these composers to make these, you know, the soundtracks and soundtrack it. And then I think that the, you know, barring it being like a guardians of the galaxy or some soundtrack that Quentin Tarantino was putting together. Like a lot of times, most studios don't really see the value in it. And then that's why there's these, these boutique record labels now, but also mm-hmm. these, like there's really only a couple of uh, digital labels that kind of handle all soundtracks. Like like Spencer mentioned, like Lakeshore and Milan. Mm-hmm. They kind of like, they own the digital soundtrack space and it's easy for them because there's not a lot, there's, one, there's not a lot of money in it, I imagine, but also because it's like, it, there is like the, the, the studios like just are just like, yeah, yeah, I mean, please go ahead. Like what, what, you know, what, what, this is just more of like, we have to pay someone a full-time job to handle this. We might as well just like carve it out. And my favorite like representation of that is that like, you know, studios 
literally will ride the roller coaster highs of a hit soundtrack. Like I'm talking like Back to the Future and Top Gun in the 80s, right? Mm -hmm. And they'll just be like, soundtracks are everything, Flashdance, Footloose, like blah, blah, blah. And then literally within three or four years, they are just like selling them off in perpetuity to other labels who own it. Back to the Future 1 and 2 are owned by Universal, but Back to the Future 3, they sold off to a third-party label. And like that to me is like the perfect (laughs) example of how quickly things can change. They were literally just like, you know, printing money and then literally just can't get rid of it enough. And so much so that they sell it in perpetuity, you know, like that sort of thing is like wow. the craziest thing. Them being like, no, no, we, there's no reason we would ever need to have this in our catalog <laughs> or have ownership over it. It's like, it's, it's, it's borderline silly that, but that's like literally how undervalued they are. It's insane. What, um, <clears throat> so how does the licensing game work for you guys? Cause there is some competition out there. And I just imagine that <laughs> this, this, the part of my imagination is that you guys are meeting in an alley somewhere and having a knife fight to get some of the licensing <laughs> kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I think that like all of the labels that are currently operating have their kind of own unique identity. And I think 90% of the time, when someone announces that they're putting a record out, people go, oh, yeah, cool, that that, that fits. <laughs> um, like, you know, we're, I mean, one of our big things is, you know, we love to distribute other labels through our web shop, you know? Like, we love to promote those other labels like Terravision, Ship to Shore, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all our friends as well, so it makes sense for us. Um, I don't, I guess, you know, I mean, there's been a few funny things like, when the remake of Maniac came out, you know, the uh, Elijah Wood movie. So Rob Rob's score to that is like, obviously, it's phenomenal. And I saw that movie at a film festival and talked to the sales rep and I was like, I have to get this. And he was like, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, I, I didn't know at the time, but also Mondo were like, we have to get this. This is before we were like, we joined together. And um, it was really strange because you very rarely get kind of, like, like uh, restrictions on territories on, on vinyl. But the label that, that were controlling it were like, yeah, you, you can't release it in the States. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, that's that's fine. And then I found out that, that Mondo were releasing it and I was like, well, this is this is just crazy. What what are we gonna do? <laughs> so you get the you get the odd thing like that, but we're pretty friendly with everyone and you know we have lots of conversations where people are like oh we we're thinking of going after this and we're like oh cool yeah we'll take a we'll take a colorway of that we'll take 200 for the store you know mm-hmm. yeah you got to think about it this way like i said I, at our max at our peak we're like holy shit we're releasing uh you know 50 new releases a year and that is a drop in the bucket of the entire repertory catalog of all soundtracks that have ever existed, right? But also the volume of new releases that come out every year. And obviously there's there, there's some high profile ones in which like everyone it basically puts their hat in the ring. Um, you know, but the last one I can really truly remember where it felt like a like like there was a feverish feverish energy around it was Stranger Things. I remember like that one right. was sort of like who's gonna get to it first, right? Right. Um and then it turns out like that none of us were ever truly ever in the room you know like that stuff is like we're not in la and you realize that like those kinds of things are like mad men style like someone went into a boardroom <laughs> did a pitch you know had a whole thing and then walked out and then went and got like martinis on, you know and then like did that whole thing right they were probably wearing suits and none of them had tattoos but we we for the most part when we see something that looks cool 
we email our friends and this is, this is not a, like, a, this is not high birth. We are just like friends with everyone in the industry. We just have like people that we know and we really like, and have, because it's such a small community, you can't help, but just like be like in the trenches with one another. Like this is like our little space and we are like, it's it's impossible to explain to anyone else who doesn't get it and so you kind of grow a very quick camaraderie with with the other people in the soundtrack space and so you know if something's over at warner brothers you email your friends at warner brothers and be like hey are you guys doing this if you're not like we'd love to be your partner on this or we'd love to do physical and the, the reality is that like no one has the bandwidth to keep up with the amount of things that are coming out especially in the streaming era <laughs> like think about this Disney bought Fox and then launched a streaming service that has a new release every single week. And like they are expected to release the soundtracks for all of those things, including the Fox catalog, including their Disney, Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel, and every, and that now they release their series soundtracks episodically, like Mandalorian, all that stuff. Like the, the, and they didn't like suddenly bump up the amount of staff they have there. Like they are just like that. So like the idea of like making records is like, 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 you know, that, that's the, the weird thing that we operate as like a, a, as like a safety net for a lot of people right, too, where it's right, like, sometimes right. they're just like they, in a perfect world, they would love to be released to things themselves, but they're just sort of like, we would never get around to getting back to Ant-Man and the Wasp on vinyl, you know, like, <laughs> like we, we missed that opportunity. It came too late. Like Mondo, would you want to do Ant-Man and the Wasp? And we we're like, oh my God, yeah, we'd be honored to do any Marvel title. Cause up until that point we hadn't really done it. And that's how, you know, that, that sort of thing starts. But, you know, I don't know. The, the licensing aspect of it is far more casual and conversational. And as Spence alluded to, like, if we miss something or someone else got it, then, like, most nine times out of ten, we're just like, oh, that's so cool. Like, we'd love to support you and amplify and, like, spread the word. Like, Terrorvision just did The Gate. The mm-hmm. Gate being, like, you know, seminal 80s horror film. But, like that soundtrack was something that we had been pursuing for years ourselves, but we, no one could figure out the rights and they did. And not even a slight ounce of jealousy. We were just like, so excited that somebody actually figured it out, you know? (laughs) No, that's great. And I saw you guys were promoting it too. You guys had it on your website and it was like, yeah, we, we, you know, I mean, I, you know, I love Ryan. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not shy of saying that they're my, my favorite renegade soundtrack label. (laughs) <laughs> um, you know that they, they do like he, you know they do amazing work they're a super small team and uh, they're really passionate and yeah as Mo says you know we just love to support you know people like that and it's you know it's good for us it's good for them and it means that yeah we didn't get to put the gate out but also we didn't have the stress of figuring to put the gate out because you know we're already working on another 50 things um, and you can't do everything we just don't we our team is very, very small still. Right. I was on a thread today with an actual record label because we are releasing something with them, and there was 32 people on the thread. <laughs> uh, I, sent, I sent a screen grab to Mo and Shannon and was like, look what an actual record label has staff-wise because, <laughs> you know, it's three of us. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we have huge support from the rest of the Mondo team, like customer service, licensing, marketing, et cetera. But the label is, is you know, it's really small. It's just us. Which is really cool. Because, I mean, I've spent years as a music video director, so I know <laughs> I know what the label, like the large label email chains can be, and you just feel like you're lost in the corporate entity of it. 
Um, yeah, I was a little bit freaked out this, this afternoon, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. You're just like, what do you guys do? Like, how many people are in here? It's weird, yeah. man. It's very strange. I bet they're still, un- I bet they're still understaffed. Like, that's the thing is, like, I don't, I can't imagine, like, working that hard to put stuff out and, like, properly service them. And then, like, for us, it's like, we, you know, I can't imagine, even if we doubled our, we would still feel understaffed. You know, like, that. that's that's the, the, the yeah. wild part. Because there's always bigger dreams and things like that. You know, like, we wanted to start a podcast. We wanted to start a YouTube channel where we took it more seriously. We want to video, create video content. We want to, like, increase our marketing, like, outreach and have our own dedicated social person and multiple wholesale staff that are dealing with, like, everything like that. And, like, I guarantee you, even if we had that larger staff, we'd still be like, oh, but you know what would be even cooler is if we had, like, you know, let's, you know, someone creating content for, you know, uh, all this other, you know, these other platforms. And there's, there's never enough. So I can see that, especially if you if you have the money to do it. Like, that's great. And the music industry is notoriously uh, doesn't is the, you know like it i don't know no one pays for music anymore except right. for physical right. Uh, right and so I, I don't know how they have that much money it's amazing that they do and i'm jealous quite frankly <laughs> <laughs> no it's very true because <clears throat> the industry changed years ago with napster and all that stuff making uh, such a huge dent in how we consume our music and it, it surprised me that physical media ended up coming back at such a large scale uh, and I'm actually really happy about it. Uh, and I've I've talked about it on the show in the past where I actually fell out of love with music for quite some time because I, I felt so distant from music stores and record stores and physical media being a kid that grew up that way. And starting to collect vinyls and get, get into that world has really brought me back into my love of music and my love of like various genres of music. Um, <clears throat> and so... Like I said, with you guys and you guys putting out like this amazing artwork and these amazing vinyls, it, it just it it's very exciting when you I love to go into a record shop and accidentally stumble across something that you guys have put out. And I'm like, oh, fuck, this is Mondo. Of course it is. <laughs> of course, this is Mondo. Um, <clears throat> as far as the art direction goes for your releases, are you guys do you guys just have like a big pool of artists that you like to pull from? Are you guys staying? How do you stay current with different illustrators and artists? Is it is it just dudes that are doing the poster stuff for Mondo that that come in to do the album art? Like, what's your process for finding the artist? We, uh, you know, when we started, it definitely was the usual suspects. It was definitely like, um, you know, because back when we started, we were doing like two or three a year. Um, then we started doing one a month. And then now, like I said, we do about like 50 titles a year. It's like one a week, right? <laughs> um, but the usual suspects, you know, the, the poster gig, is the gig economy of the poster world is significantly different from what we do. And, you know, what we require is a significant volume, increase in volume of illustration than what a poster is is typically done, you know, like, and there's also like the, the collectability, the like, the the, the value, the, the, the retained value of these things of the poster sort of like, pay for themselves in the long run as being like, you know, you've created art that is now uh, commodified and, and rare. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack space requires like a different type of, of, uh, of freelance artist. So over the years, we've sort of carved out our own specific artists that we work with. Some of them share the space with, with the poster team, but we, and Spencer also obviously came before we merged as companies. Uh, he had the artists that he worked with. And then, and then over the years, um, it's basically a matter of just being on art Twitter and art Instagram and like following and finding illustrators based on like 
who other who illustrators that we work with who are obsessed with you know like mm-hmm. they, they follow these other people and you follow them and you go like oh my god these people are amazing and then it clicks you go like oh my god that person would be perfect for x or y <laughs> or z and then sometimes you don't even have the rights for that but it, it inspires you to be like oh it'd be really cool to do that so maybe you know we should pursue that with this artist in mind. Or sometimes it is you have a title and you're like, who would be good for that? And then you you look at the the suspects, you know, like usual suspects, you look at the people that are that are new and have just done something that are amazing, but then they're still don't fit. And then you get on Twitter and Instagram and you see all these amazing artists popping up that you're just like, oh my God, this person would be perfect. And like recently there's been a lot of that. Like, you know, a lot of recent discoveries have all been because of the amplification of voices of, of, of uh, people of color and women and, you know, artists that are, that are like are, are speaking really loud and use these portfolio days mm-hmm. to really truly highlight what they do and whatever. And then sometimes through those strangest circular confluences, we find like good buds and good pals because they get recommended to us. So recently, uh, uh, there's an artist who got recommended to us named Henry Abrams because uh, composer Michael Giacchino was just sort of like, hey, I love this kid. He does great work. Uh, and I would love to uh, work with him on my album. And we started working with him and he's like the sweetest human being that we've ever met. And now we like love working with him because he's so passionate about it. And he was a secret Mondo fan and he was just sort of like, yeah, actually I've always wanted to work with you guys. So can we, you know, what, whatever, what can we do? And then now he's just like, you know, in our roster, right? He, he's just this dude that we work with now. And uh, we're so grateful because literally we just got looped in on an email with him and he just happened to know who we are. We always like, you know, I, I, introducing ourselves to new artists, it's always sort of like, do you know who we are? Like, we, we hey, we're, we're Mondo. We do this thing. Specific. <laughs> and like, you know, and most people don't really know what we are. We, we, we are in such a very specific space, you know, the idea of sound, soundtracks in general. Like, we, I, I pitched on an artist recently on a soundtrack, and she was just like, yeah, I, I, I would love to do a soundtrack with you, but like, this is just not my vibe, you know? Like, it, it hit me up when, you know, something a little bit more X, Y, or Z fits the profile, and I was like, respect. You know, like, and mm-hmm. then it made me go like, yeah, shit, I wish I could do Queen of the Damned. You know, that sounds really awesome. You know, like, that'd be really fun, <laughs> you know, but uh, it was just sort of like, yeah, the, the, they, they sometimes come back with things that they would love to do or art that they would love to create in the pop culture space. Um, but yeah, pop culture art, the space is very weird because I think people come to it, artists do, they come to it because it makes money, obviously. But a lot of times right. it's not really their, like, bag. It's not really their primary thing. They would rather just be able to do their own artwork and that pays the bills, which I totally respect. Right. <clears throat> now, it's it's fascinating because it it has exploded at such a larger level these days, you know, with, with formats like Instagram and all these places for the artists to actually get their work out. And, <clears throat> you know, from the filmmaker side, from the movie making side, like Mondo has a reputation of being like the best of the best, especially for us uh, director nerds that are like, I'd love to have my fucking soundtrack <laughs> on Mondo. And I know that there's a lot of artists that I've worked with in the past that will say the same thing. So when you said that a lot of artists don't really know who Mondo is, maybe, but there's a big piece of me that's like, there's a lot of these guys are probably just lying to you because <laughs> they, because everybody knows who you guys are now. I mean, between the Mondo records releases and the, and the movie poster releases and then, you know, everything else that Tim's doing over there, like Alamo Draft House and the Fantastic Fest and Neon and all that shit. Like, uh, you guys are just roped into this huge, amazing circle of, of movie nerdom that uh, is is just sort of transcended that genre. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I guess I guess I should clarify. There, there's a lot of amazing artists who do know who we are, right? But there's also <laughs> a lot of amazing artists who don't do pop culture stuff. Yeah, that true. Is, I don't know. Maybe that is the, you know, uh, I wouldn't want to be a club that would have me as a member sort of uh, uh, emotional uh, baggage that I bring to the table. But I'm always just sort of like, ooh, it's cooler if they don't know who we are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know the deal. It is time to show some love to the men and women that make this show possible. I'm not just talking about you guys. I'm talking about our sponsors. Um, One of the uh, best aspects of this show is that I get to meet and team up with really great companies, companies that I respect, companies that I use, um, and uh, these guys love to support us, which is so cool. Um, And first up, on our sponsor read are our good friends at Puget Systems. They just renewed their sponsorship with us. They've been with us since the beginning. Um, head on over to PugetSystems.com if you want to buy yourself a brand new computer. These guys build custom-made PCs. That's right, I said a PC uh, that will suit your needs. So if you are uh, in engineering and you're doing uh, CAD uh, renderings and simulations, these guys build amazing systems for that. If you're a content creation person, like I know 90% of you guys listening are, uh, if you're a photographer, if you're into post-production of visual effects, these guys build monster PCs that run amazingly real-time, uh, multiple uh, video tracks, um, high-speed rendering, uh, custom-built for your needs. Can you imagine custom-built? So head on over to PewDiePieSystems.com. There you could choose from a line of products. They have um, sort of like baseline packages that you can pick from. Uh, and then they love to interact with their, um, with you guys. Jesus, Michael, there's that Moderna just kicking you. Hold on, let me take a breath. Whew, got the sweats, I got the sweats. So they love to interact with you guys. So all you gotta do is write them an email and say, hey, this is what I'm doing, this is what my budget is, and this is what I'm trying to pull together, what do you think? And maybe you're someone that just wants to build your own PC. These guys post all of their benchmark tests. These guys put together all their research uh, to make it easier for you to understand what hardware works with what software and what the best uh, route to go to build your system would be. So head on over to PugetSystems.com and buy yourself a brand new PC. You're gonna love it. I'm telling you, you're gonna love it. I have been working exclusively on PCs for the past, oh Jesus, what is it, seven years, six, seven years now. So all my movies are cut on a Puget system. Um, I love these guys. I cannot say enough good things about them. Also supporting the show, as always, are our good friends over at Quasar Science. Uh, Quasar build amazing LED light units, uh, color balanced units that are industry standard at this point in the film business. Um, So if you're someone that is looking to get some new lights for your kit, if you're a photographer, if you're a DP, you're looking to build a brand new shooting kit as we get out of COVID, as we go back into the world and start working like fucking feverish little ants again, um, 
do yourself a favor, head on over to QuasarScience.com and check out the new units that they have on the market right now. These guys, their tubes are amazing. Uh, I have a bunch of bicolor tubes that are battery powered, which are really great. I've got some uh, rainbow LED units, which are really fantastic. So any color in the spectrum, they can dial in. Um, so if you are looking for some new lights, uh, head on over to Quasar Science. I'm telling you, you're gonna dig them. Also supporting the show um, are our good friends over at Custom Comfort Mattress. I don't know if you guys listened to my episode on insomnia, battling insomnia, but I had Gary, the owner of Custom Comfort, on the show. Um, Gary changed my life by um, hooking me up with a mattress that uh, helps me sleep. I think one of the reasons why I was having such terrible insomnia is that for some reason, I was convinced that it was okay to just get the cheapest mattress you can get your hands on. Like, when did that become a fucking slogan? Right? Get a deal. You want a deal on your mattress? Come on down to Discount Joe's fucking mattress shit. And how many times, how many of you guys hate buying mattresses as much as I do? Right? You go into like these like used spots that are, you know, one month they're open, the next month they're going out of business. There's always a going out of business sale happening outside of them. And then you go inside and it's like a used car salesman walks up to you with a fake mustache. What would it take to put you in a mattress, right? And you're like, ha, ah, this is still kind of expensive. It's like a grand, two grand, what the fuck is this? And he's like, oh yeah, this is a sweet deal. You get on it, you try out like one or two mattresses in that place, and you're like, what is the difference between these? I can't tell if it's good or not. Uh, when Gene and I were looking for new mattresses, we ended up going to Custom Comfort as sort of like, as a trial, really, we went in there going like, this place is gonna to be too expensive for us, but let's let's see. Let's see what the top of the line is and let's see the difference between the top of the line and one of these small podunk spots, right? So we go into Custom Comfort and they completely handle their customer uh, relationship differently, where they're not about selling you a mattress, they're about helping you find what works. So I went in there and I laid on a bunch of different surfaces, different hardness, um, like uh, we ended up laying on everything from like uh, spring mattresses to latex mattresses. And the thing that's really great about Custom Comfort is they they build all their mattresses using like natural products. So I don't know if you guys know this, but on a lot of like foam mattresses and a lot of these, you know, discount latex mattresses that are on the market, it's all petroleum based. So your body, you're breathing in all of that. Your body is absorbing all that. And you spend, what, like half your life laying on a mattress? Uh, it didn't really occur to me. It wasn't until I talked to Gary and we really sort of talked it out. And he was like, think about it. Think about what you're sleeping on. Think about what you're laying on for like half your life, man. It's like, no shit. And it turns out that their prices weren't that bad. The prices were comparable. And the thing I really like about Custom Comfort is that you can customize your mattresses. So I ended up getting uh, a mattress that goes underneath a topper. And so Gina and I have a king bed set up. We can get separate mattresses for each of us and then the same topper across them both. So she can have a different firmness under her side and I can have a different firmness under my side. But then with the topper that fits over it, it feels like one solid mattress, which is really cool. They also have adjustable bases. So if you wanna be able to get one of those adjustable beds where it'll sit you up to watch TV. 
Um, they had like massage beds. It's all sorts of really cool stuff. Head on over to customcomfort.com, check them out. And if you're in Los Angeles, just go to their showroom. If you're in the market for a new mattress, if you think you're looking for a new mattress, go on over to their showroom and have them uh, try to figure out what works best for you. And what they do that is amazing is that when you buy a mattress, they ship it out to you for free, it comes out to your house, you have about 100 days to lay on the damn thing. And in that time period, if you decide that it's too firm or if it's too soft, they'll actually take and rework that mattress that they built for you. So they can make it more soft, they can make it more firm. It's really cool shit. So uh, have your life changed with a new mattress from Custom Comfort. All right, also, because I got the guys on the show, head on over to mondo.com. Go through the amazing vinyl selection that they have on there. I'm telling you, you're going to drool. And when you actually, if you're a record store shopper, you guys know what I'm talking about. You head on over to that soundtrack section and then you stumble across these amazing packages of vinyls. It's always Mondo stuff. So head on over to mondo.com and see what I'm ranting about. All right, that's it. Let's get back into it with the guys. You guys must get to go to all sorts of really cool screenings and stuff, being part of um, Mondo and being a part of all this. Um, is there, uh, is there, what is your favorite aspect of all this stuff? Do you guys love to go uh, and do conventions and, and get rid of the albums? Or do you, is it all about, you know, interacting with the artists? Like what, what is your favorite aspect of this whole process? Um, I, I mean, obviously I love, you know, we, both went to a screening last week that we can't talk about <laughs> something we're working on, which is great because it's exciting and, you know, you get to see things early and you get to plan things well ahead. Um, but I also love, you know, like doing Monocon and San Diego Comic Con and just when you get, when we do screenings, you know, and, and, and have a booth and stuff and, and just get to hang out and, you know, because, and be fans because that's, kind of it sounds really cheesy and i hate it when i say this but like we are we're just fans that just happen to do this for our jobs right we just kind of fell into this so it's like you know there's nothing better than just sitting down with a a, a beer or a non-alcoholic beverage of your choice <laughs> and just shooting the shit with people you know and just hanging out with a, with like-minded people um and then just you know we're very lucky Practically everyone at the studios, we, not practically everybody that we work with at the studios, they're all amazing. And, you know, we love working with them. And we, also we love hanging out with them. So uh, in normal times, we'll be in L.A. a couple of times a year to take loads of meetings and then we'll just hang out with people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just, it's, I guess it's a community aspect of it, you know, top to bottom from studios to fans, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think to, to plus that slightly and go back to something that Spence said earlier, where he was like, I just wanted to make something that I would want, right? And as fans, you know, I think that there's something really special about like, uh, hypothetically, just being like, oh, my God, like, if I could put the soundtrack out for this, 
this is what it would look like. And then for that to become the official soundtrack for something mm. it, and like that, you, you have then therefore contributed to the legacy of a film in some way, right? Like it is considered you did, you did the thing, right? Like we, um, I, I talk about this title quite a bit, but we did the soundtrack to a movie called Josie and the Pussycats. And that's a movie that I really love and I've st- stood up for, for, for two decades now and it just celebrated <laughs> its 20th anniversary. But when we did that, like, it gets our version of it. The vinyl soundtrack version of it is is widely recognized as the canonical version of it because, like, we we created it as if it was a piece of ephemera from the film. We made it as if it was merchandise from the in-universe world. We did a you know we we did an LP that was treated like it was Josie and the Pussycats actual album. And then in the movie there's a fake band a fake boy band called Du Jour and we put a seven inch out of that fake boy band <laughs> songs. And I saw the other day the fake boy band featuring Seth Green. And Seth Green tweeted the image that I mocked up for the seven inch as if it was the like official canonical thing to talk about it. He was just like reminiscing about du jour, the band, the fake band and like use the image that like, I photoshopped to make. And like, <laughs> as if that was like official in Canon universe stuff. And I was just like, that's wild. That is so wild to me that that is the touched for everyone. And like, that's, that's what we do on a regular basis. The, there are some times when we filmmakers consider what we have done as like the physical release because physical media is like something that like almost anyone who works in the filmmaking process or the television or video games aspires to. Yeah, totally. And, you know, you know, and CDs, anyone who grew up in the era of CDs, like almost feels like betrayed because they, they, they looked at the, at the era of the seventies and all these amazing soundtracks, film soundtracks that came out on vinyl that were just like, you know, like that felt like tactile and real, like you made it right. And then Mm -hmm. you got this like shrugged off, compact disc version that was <laughs> sold for like $25 at a Suncoast video because that's like that was the margin back then and then and nowhere else and then ended up in a bargain bin 20 years later that you can find at like a half price store yeah. but now the, their physical vinyl can sit back as being like you know it's, it's real like you had you had a, an album release that's cool you know any artist can respect that right yeah hell yeah man <clears throat> and then there's I mean, some the last, the, sorry that the, the last event that we did was a record launch party for the film Freaked, which came out in 1993, and that's the first time the soundtrack <laughs> has ever been released in any shape or form. <laughs> you know, which is like super cool, man. It and is. That was enough of a grounds to get the entire cast and crew to reunite in LA for a night in the middle of <laughs> January. Like the fact that like the soundtrack was coming out. 25 years later. It's <laughs> so crazy. That's so cool though, man. You know, and people do circle around this physical media. It becomes this, it almost becomes this stature thing too. I, I mean, I, I know that I've been building my vinyl collection and I'll have friends come over and other movie nerds come over and the first section that they go through is the soundtrack section. And it's sort of like badges of honor where it's like, oh shit, you got this and you got that. And, and a lot of these releases are limited releases. So when you find this stuff, it's almost like treasure hunting where um, it's like, man, this is this is physically worth something because it is pressed and printed in such a limited run. And then it doesn't exist after this. I I, I mean, I love that. Like I said, it's probably from my comic book kid roots and collecting stuff. But yeah, it just makes it so so much more fun. It's really difficult to like see what the next couple of years are going to be like, because I'm already experiencing like whiplash from the idea that some of the things that we made 
six years ago are considered collectibles because they didn't they didn't sell well at the time we do like for every title we do that sells super well there's like another three that like not necessarily underperform but like we're enthusiastic about but then like you know people are just like okay cool and then they kind of just sit there for a while right Mm -hmm. like and then now you realize that some people are just like when are you going to remake this and you're like that thing that we (laughs) never had intended to make because like we thought that no one wanted it um and then you like uh, we did a, a studio ghibli record in 2014 and and no one bought it no one cared it was like that was like it is and i th- think about this all the time and then then many years later someone started a change.org petition to get us to remake that record and it was just like obviously that's not how what that platform's for but it was just like so <laughs> insane to me that like someone was that passionate about it because that thing was not a hit and and now you say yeah there are people who are like oh these are limited these are collectibles and i was like i knew we were creating something limited in collectability but like now it's 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 insane because like our back catalog we can't really make those anymore i'm like you know like when i when i see like criterion like why don't they make x y or z and i'm just like oh i know exactly why they don't go back and make x y or z because it's probably a rights nightmare it probably was a right. one and done thing the company may not even exist anymore you know like that sort of thing like right. half the job is figuring out who who owns what especially for the old titles. And then, uh, you know, but now I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Cause I would love to go back. It's our 10th anniversary this year. I'd love to go back and make like our first 10 records again. Right. Like as like a little like loving tribute, but like the idea of figuring that out is so convoluted and complicated. And uh, that like, I'm just like, oh man, like even if I wanted to, we couldn't do that. And so it's a shame because like some of these things I don't really think need to be limited edition, but they are because they just, it's just it'd be so difficult to make them again. <laughs> well, yeah, but it also helps that they are too, you know, like it, like just you explaining that and people going like, oh shit, I should probably stay on it. <laughs> so like when, when you guys send out an email, it's like, yeah, I should probably buy that quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, what do you think? Cause you just mentioned Josie and the Pussycats, like both of you, what, are your like by far your ultimate favorite release that you've put out that you put together you first Spence. well this is a this is an impossible question yeah, I know, I know it it, is. because in and this again like i really don't want to come off as like a cheese monster but like every we only release things that we're passionate about right so one of us has to love it Right, we don't both have to love it. One of us has to love it. So it's you can't. It's really difficult to choose from like two hundred releases and say you know <laughs> favorite thing. I mean, you know, oh man, it could be like even it, you know Twin Peaks for me, for instance, because I worked on that for years and you know I was a huge fan. And then I was told I had to get permission from David Lynch, and then Angelo was involved, and that just is a is a kind of mind blower mm-hmm. but then also when we released the autopsy of jane doe that that's one of my favorite packages we've ever done you know i'm really like that's one of my favorite releases but we we only released 666 of it wow <clears throat> um so it's you know everything you know everything we do we put a lot of love and work into um so I, it's it's for me it's too hard to choose one. I could choose like twenty five maybe. And send them over to you. I didn't yeah, realize yeah. you guys did an autopsy uh, soundtrack. That movie is an underrated film. I love that fucking movie. Um, 
and uh, I love the the craftsmanship on that film. I think that that fan, movie is so fantastic, and I'm surprised it didn't do better than it actually did. So I, I'll have to hunt to see if I can find that vinyl. That sounds awesome. Yeah, the just even if you just Google it, just look at the package because it's it's pretty wild, and and you know it's it's insane what you can do if you're that passionate about a project like that. Because yeah, I mean it was it's a smaller title. But like Spence and, and and the artist who did the illustration, Jay Shaw, had had a great uh, idea, and they they made it happen. And you know, it was it was it was worth it for at least six hundred and sixty six people, right? <laughs> I'm I'm actually googling it right now. It it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bonkers. Um, uh, I don't know. For me, it's uh, it's it's Josie's up there because of the, the 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 impact that we had as a company. We reunited the band. You know, like we got the girls back together. We got the filmmakers back together to like talk about it. It was a whole thing. We did a concert. It was the first time that the band who wrote the songs actually performed. Adam Schlesinger performed. It was insane. Like, you know, like if you <laughs> if I had only known how like true, like how one of a kind magical that was. But I was just so wrapped up in the moment to even like fully process how insane it was that Adam Schlesinger was there and performing uh, on stage. Um But um Fight Club comes to mind, too, because mm-hmm. I can't believe they let us do that. <laughs> you know, uh, I uh, Alan Hines, the the absolute wizard who behind most of our most insane packages, uh, myself and our co-founder, Rob Jones. Rob Jones is also like the unsung hero of this company. He, you know, he he founded Mondo, but he also like was the one who said we should do records. And that's the reason why we do records. I, I feel compelled to always make that a note that like I didn't have that idea. It was Rob Jones and he that he like sat back silently and now just uh, doodles pictures of Hedora uh, for fun <laughs> while while we we, we uh, work our asses off to make 50 records a year. Uh, uh, but he, he uh, uh, when we did uh, Fight Club, the idea was like, okay, you can't really, if you Google Fight Club art, like it is, it is mostly artwork by people who misinterpret the film as being <laughs> badass and cool, right? right? Like right. it's like, it's you can't make something that's actually cool or sexy or attractive. And also selling product for Fight Club almost feels like a betrayal of the movie. And so when we had the idea that like you literally had to, destroy the product in order to access it like it was just like oh my god we are gonna like you know change the world like no one's ever thought of anything this clever you know like we had just like and like seeing that vision happen over time like figuring out troubleshooting it making it happen getting it approved by fincher and and whatever you know like all those details that like, came together and then now that just exists and it's like to me so incredibly silly that 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 exists even because you know we we had the idea and then they let us make it and then we made it and now it's real it is like sort of the the chain of command for all these things but that one in particular stands out just because of how absurd it is and same thing with uh over the garden wall that's another one that's pretty special to me over the garden wall was a cartoon network miniseries that aired once in november of 2014 and we i saw it and i we fell in love with it and then we went to cartoon network and we were like please can we release the soundtrack and they had literally like they looked like we were insane they were just like that is not a thing that we do also this isn't a thing that we were ever focusing on ever again it was a one-time miniseries it's done the marketing cycle's over like get real we're not even going to bother researching that and we were like oh wow okay 
And then we just kept asking. And eventually we found the right person who was very passionate about it. And they're just like, yeah, okay, whatever. If you can figure it out, go for it. And then we did. And then we spent the next like year and a half doing it. And it's still one of our most popular records that we've ever put together. And to me, that is a perfect example of what we do, which is like making people see the value in the thing that they could never even fathom yeah. having in their catalog. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. That's cool, man. That's really cool. And the longer I, you work on something, the more you like it. I have to say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, you guys get access to some interesting people. Like, did, did you physically have to send an email to David Lynch to get releases or like David Fincher? Like, how does that work? Did you just go through his people and they're like, yeah, he likes it. It's cool. Put it out. You know, Spencer, did you go through his people? Um, I, this is, this is such a, a, a wild one is that I've never been entirely certain when David was replying or his people were replying. Certainly at the <laughs> beginning it was David. And then when we did season three, I guess he's super busy. So we dealt with uh, his producer who's amazing. Um, but the feedback is like constant. And, you know, we're very lucky that we get to work directly with the creators because then it makes, you know, it makes the records more special and it makes the packages more special, especially when you can release something that's pretty out there that you think there's no way they're going to go for this. And then they're like, yeah, we love this. This is amazing. <laughs> that's what I love about a lot of your package designs is that you guys really, uh, you're not phoning it in, you know, like it, like you could have for the Fight Club because I have the Fight Club vinyl and it's it's amazing. And you guys could have just done the old put the pink bar of soap on the cover and put the damn thing out, you know, and and to uh, how imaginative a lot of these interpretations are is is half the fun of, of picking these vinyls up, man. It, it really like your hard work really is shown to all the work you guys put into it, you know. Well, thank I'll remember that. I'll look for your name when we do Wizard of Oz uh, next month because we've been working on Wizard of Oz for almost three years. And it's similar to Fight Club in that like we had a silly idea and now it's a matter of literally figuring it out and it's finally coming out. But like it, it, you, you can only judge it based on whether or not people find it as interesting as you do. And uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have to reconnect. I'll look for your name and the, you know, uh, see if you really if you put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into it. Although it, it'll be a tough, it'll be a tough sell for me because I've never really been, I hate to say this. I've never been a Wizard of Oz fan. My dad loved it as a kid and he'd forced me to watch it over and over again. I'm like, you're killing me. You're killing me. That'll do it. That'll yeah. do it, man. I'm totally with you on that. There's so much stuff that I hate because oh. my father forced me and made me listen or watch it. Oh, it kills but me. I'm against you with The Wizard of Oz because it's brilliant. <laughs> it is a brilliant movie. It's just that, you know, at a, at a, at a yeah. time where I, I wanted to be sitting and watching Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. And I'm uh, uh, watching Wizard of Oz. I'm like, man, I hate this fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> we all have one of those. So I, I, I think about that a lot, too, because Spencer has relayed to me some of his deepest, darkest, hate, most hated things that most people, you know, they're like the things that they would want to like, you know, like have in the background of their lives at all times. Yeah, uh, I, I won't out him because I don't want him to get to get uh, destroyed. <laughs> but uh, the the um, but I think about like the things that my dad liked and I'm, I'm like. 
like I'm always just like, man, I'm trying to think if he ever made me watch something that like I didn't really love. But he was just like, he, his personality with pop culture was really vanilla. He just really liked James Bond. It was like, he was like the most like just generic <laughs> dude. His thing was, I like James Bond movies. And then I ended up liking James Bond movies. And now I feel like I, you know, like I, I'm missing out on this like cathartic, like, oh man, what did my dad ruin for me? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're not service. missing out. There's no missing out on it, man. <laughs> because like The Wizard of Oz is a, is a, is a, you know, a work of art. It's a classic movie. They changed cinema, you know, between the black and white and the color and everything that they were doing in that film. I just have the most ridiculous reason for not liking that movie. So I like, think I just have a deep seated fear that like, if I have a kid that I'm going to make them hate everything. Like I'm going to be like, now this is, this artist's name is Prince and he made the best music ever made. And then like 20 years later, my child is going to be like, I hate Prince. Prince is the, like, I can never listen to a Prince song because my dad just wouldn't shut up about Prince. <laughs> Uh, but as we get older, right, we we end up falling in love with everything that our parents liked, anyways. Like they, no, no, no. <laughs> I still have an absolute hatred for one of the biggest bands in the world because when I was learning to, when I my dad bought me a guitar and I was only allowed to practice playing one band songs. Oh so, man. Oh man, you're not going to say who the band is, right? <laughs> it's, Dan, it's Danzig. It's Danzig. Just tell him. <laughs> your dad, your dad made you play Mother on the guitar all the time. These are Sex Pistols. It's like, and it's not my dad's fault. It's not like my dad was like awful. My dad was cool, man. Like my dad took me to see Star Wars at the movies nine times in a row when I was eight years old. <laughs> wow! Like it's just that he was so into this thing and you know he, he my dad was a musician he was in a band and he supported you know people like the stones and mm -hmm. the bases and stuff like that but he was just like this is what you've got to be into and it, and, it, and for a long while i was i was like oh my god this is amazing but I, you know as soon as i hit like being a teen i was just like f this man i want to <laughs> find my own thing you know so yeah. but yeah it's, it's just it's it's pretty funny man. yeah <clears throat> Like music is such a such an interesting timestamp for us as people, right? Because you know it it's one of the few art forms, one of the few mediums that does come stamped with so many emotions. And uh, you know when you're listening to specific songs or if you're watching a movie, um, when I go back and I listen to these soundtracks, there's there's that nostalgia that sort of like floods everything where you remember exactly how old you were when you saw like Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time. You remember exactly, you know, uh, where you were emotionally and mentally at that point. And um, it's there's with nostalgia, at least it comes loaded with so much more emotional context. Um, and that's one of the interesting things about all these soundtracks and scores. Um, like uh, just the other night I was watching Thief again and it's been so long since I've seen that movie. And it didn't occur to me that Tangerine Dream did that, that soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And I, when I watched it again the other day, I just remember being like a young teenager seeing that for the first time and that dark sort of intense music. And this was kind of prior to me paying attention to who did scores and who did that kind of stuff. And then having, I've got like five or six different vinyls from Tangerine Dream and the, the, the scale and scope of what those guys do and the different emotional context that I have from each one of their albums is just amazing. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite things about soundtracks and scores and, and, and albums in general 
And then when you physically have this physical media and you're holding it in your hands, like it transports me back to when I had, you know, the, the Thriller album from Michael Jackson. And I'm just like laying in front of my parents, uh, you know, vinyl player and staring at that spread with him and the and the tiger in there for for like weeks um that physical media is just so incredibly magical you know it is i can't like I, my brother just came into town to visit for the first time obviously since since the pandemic and he we were we were connecting over the fact that like his whole thing ever since i've been young is he's really into video games and really into board games and really into comedy and i'm really into movies and really into music and he like does not care about music he does not like i don't think i can i bet you he has not bought paid for music in over 20 years i asked him does he have a spotify subscription he's like why would i have a spotify subscription i don't i don't listen to music and like that was it i was just like it blew my mind wow the idea of that because then even then it's like okay well then what if you like hear something you like what do you do and he's just like i guess i'll just like buy it on itunes and i'm just like even more gobsmacked because i'm just like (laughs) but you never bought like you there's nothing nothing compels you to be like oh my favorite album like i need to to buy that and then then, like just like an experience to like look at the artwork and do all that stuff like that is like to me like such a inherent part of the process mm-hmm. and here we are and like uh, half of my biological family tree just like literally is just sort of like yeah i could take it or leave it <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean in one respect you know it's easier for him to move house yes, yes. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> except no you should see his board game collection it's like it's about oh, right. as big as my record collection <laughs> you guys must have ridiculous record collections at this point like you guys uh, have- I do a weird thing. Oh, yeah, it's silly. Right? Like, I, every couple of years, I go through my collection and go and look at stuff and go, is this one of my favorite albums of all time? Mm-hmm. Have I listened to this in the last three years? And if the answer is no, I pull it out and sell it. Mm. I don't know why. So I've got records that I've had since I was eight years old, and I'm now very fucking old. Um <laughs> And I've got records that I would never sell, but then I've got records that, you know, I might hear something and just be like, oh, that's cool. But then I never play it. And I'm like, well, it's pointless to have it just to have it as a trophy. You may as well let someone else have it and enjoy it. So, I I mean, I've got quite, I mean, we're just in the process of moving house, so we've kind of started packing. And I've still got a few thousand, but, you know, I I have tried to cut down because there is only so much room. Yeah. 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 That's a big thing. I mean, physical media does take up space, especially vinyls. And it gets yeah. heavy. And, and I buy, the- you know, I buy Blu-rays and now I buy 4Ks and I buy toys. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, when will this stop? Man? <laughs> I'm so lucky that I, I, o- I have only committed to vinyl. Like, I buy some Blu-rays and stuff. But, like, I have decided that, like, vinyl is the only thing that I'm I'm allowed to be obsessed with right now. And all the stuff that Mondo puts out every now and then, you know. But, like, I, I have one vice and that's, like, where most of my disposable income goes to. Every time I go to Japan, I come back. Like, everyone else comes back with all this other cool shit. And, you know, I come back with records. Like records that like literally probably were made in the U.S. and then you know like uh, hip hop twelve inches that like you know got sold here in the '90s as some crate digger bought and then brought to you know Japan and then now I bought it for like quadruple the price. So you know circle of life, right? But uh, yeah, I, it's it's yeah, I don't know. 
<laughs> well, <clears throat> fellas, I think we're hitting uh, that point where it's going to be the end of the episode. But I, I just want to say it's been a blast talking to you guys. Um, and I appreciate you sort of putting up with my, you know, post-Moderna shot fucking brain right now. But um, you guys sound really cool. And uh, it's it's really awesome to hear like two fans uh, working in a medium where you want fans to be working. Um, and it's completely apparent when you look at the catalog of stuff that you guys have worked on and that you guys have put out that, that you absolutely love this gig. Um, and, uh, I'm happy that you guys are doing it because, uh, I'm forever going to be a dude that's buying your stuff. So I, I really appreciate it, fellas. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Very, yeah. yeah. It's very nice to hear. Um, I was getting a little bit embarrassed when people say they really love our records. <laughs> You've got nothing to be embarrassed about, man. Like it's it's completely obvious that you guys put in the time and energy and that there is a sense of imagination behind everything you guys are putting out. And, you know, the, the, I, I would say that that's probably the biggest reason why these things are collectible is that there's a, there's a voice behind them. Um, and sometimes it's a fun voice. Sometimes it's like ironic. And other times it's just gorgeous. Um, and so for me, these have become my new art form, like the, my new collectible art thing, and I love it. I really do. So there it is. Today's episode, In the Can, I made it. I'm a little winded. I'm probably going to head back into bed after this. Um, but I think tomorrow I should be fine. I don't have the shakes today. I can remember what my name is, so we're good. <laughs> uh, what did you guys think of this episode? Are you guys now Mondo fans? Uh, you should be. Uh, how many of you guys going to do the contest? Like I said, it's super easy. Just follow me on Instagram, send me a direct message on Instagram and say, I want a free Mondo package. And give me your email. I will pick from the hundreds of messages that I'm going to have to sort through. I will pick a winner. Uh, I'm doing this myself, by the way. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I do on the show, it's just me handling this because we got a very small staff here. It's just me and Liam to do this. So bear with me. Be patient, um, but I will make sure that one of you loyal listeners gets free vinyls from Mondo. These will be collector's items. I have no idea which ones they're going to send. I have no idea. You're going to have to take pictures and send it to me and uh, let me know. Um, I couldn't I couldn't even convince them to give me some free vinyls. So this is a pretty, pretty big deal. Um, so definitely sign up for the contest. Um, and... Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Bunch of really great episodes in the can. I've got so many in the queue that we're just sort of sorting through it. So as you listen to the show, you may hear me talking about current events in one episode and another episode. It, it sounds like I'm a month earlier. Well, it's because I am. I've got so many episodes lined up in the queue and we're always uh, sw swapping things around and trying to get the releases out at the right time. But it's been good. Um, and then as we come out of the back end of this COVID thing, very exciting here in Los Angeles, everything seems to be opening again. Looks like in June, everything's going to be open out here. Uh, you'll catch me at the Alamo Draft House that first opening week in June. Um, I can't wait. 
I bet you they're going to, they're probably going to screen the new Top Gun. I think that's going to be the movie that I want to go see there. I definitely want to see the new Top Gun. I definitely want to see the new James Bond movie. There was another big release. What are you guys excited about seeing? Let me know. Tell me on Instagram. What are you guys excited about seeing? Uh, which new release? I probably will go see Godzilla vs. Kong in the theater uh, just to see it on the big screen. Um, and then uh, Brett, my buddy Brett, actually won a contest where he has a private screening uh, of uh, Mortal Kombat, actually. He invited me to a private screening of that, so I've seen it already. I saw it on HBO, but fuck it. I'm going to go hang out with some buds and see it in the theater. I am so fucking excited to go see movies on the big screen again. Um, and I hope you guys are too. Just because we can see this stuff on demand and on streaming doesn't mean that we're getting even half the experience that the filmmakers intended. So let's support uh, theatrical releases, everyone. Go see movies. And I know you're itching to get out of the house. This is the perfect way to do it. Once you get that vaccine, there's no reason not to. All right, everyone. So that's it. That's today's show. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, I will see you next Tuesday.